Hello, everybody. Welcome back to Cantina Mix Football Podcast. We took a week break, and we're back with episode 327. Going to catch up on some football. Uh, the two Clásicos, Chivas America, Chivas Atlas. We have some Conca Champions League comebacks. And, of course, the big match this week, <clears throat> Mexico versus USA. That and much, much more. Before we go any further, let's welcome Joel to the show. Joel, how we doing? Oh, yes, I'm doing good, man. I'm doing really good. And uh, glad to be back in the pod. Lots of football, lots of topics to to discuss here at the cantina. Oh, man. A lot has happened. And uh, we start with... El Clásico Sin Colores. We had a, a Chivas America match right after all the fiasco that happened in Querétaro. And Chivas asked the crowd to wear white, uh, you know, to, to show peace and to, to make sure that even though that we have a, a rivalry with America, that we're not going to have any violence on the pitch. And uh, what they didn't warn us was it was also a Clásico Sin Sabor. And uh, the game ended up Zero zero and yeah. really nothing memorable uh, about that that clásico, unfortunately. Yeah, sin sin colores, sin sabor y sin goles. Oof. It lacked. It lacked. Um, and to me, this was, you know, for for we were talking about Leaño in the previous pod, and how he had a difficult two games coming up because it will be back-to-back Clásicos, and of course, for Chivas, this is the big match, you know, for Chivas fans, the the Super Clásico, and this was perfect timing to kick to kick uh, your enemy when they're down, and I do think that it was a missed opportunity for him, you know, uh, not being able to, to get that would have been a big W, um, because the jury is still out on him, you know, fans uh, don't really like him. And so he needs to to win them over. But, yeah, big, I would say missed opportunity for, for Chivas. You, even though it's a draw, I'll say it should feel like a defeat. You had the opportunity to play against America, who at that time was in last place and one of the, the worst defenses this season. And you can't even you can't even beat them. <laughs> and, and with an uh, interim coach, and with a with a coach, yeah, they got rid of of uh, Solari, and you still can't beat him. You and and to put salt on a wound, Jonah dos Santos got a red card. So at one point, we were actually we had an extra man, and we still can't get the win against America. And uh, you know, I think Leano deserves a lot of criticism for that. And. We have Chivas currently in 10th position with 13 points. So as of right now, they would be in repechaje. They would be eligible for the wild card playoff. But it just doesn't feel convincing that this is the right man for the job. Yeah, exactly. Uh, and, and you know, since since we missed the last week, we'll just combine their two games. Um he followed that up with a match against Atlas. Uh, and that was another draw for Chivas and another game that should feel for as a defeat um, for the club because you, you go on rivals and you're, you're not able to take advantage of situations that present themselves. Um, that, that, you know, it's, it's just, uh, just not good. <laughs> We had, yeah, that that game, uh, we did see a little bit more fight. In fact, Miguel Angel Ponce got a red card right before halftime, and both him and uh, Yairo Torres got sent off. And you know, we're over here trying to preach peace and and nonviolence, and there's like a just a photo of them just wanting to choke each other out. And uh, at one point, you know, Chivas actually were ahead. Uh, Piojo Alvarado uh, scored the goal, and it looked like Chivas were on to a one-goal victory on the road. 
en el Estadio Jalisco, but Julián Quiñones scored at the last minute, tied the game, and it just, you know, it it just frustrated everybody because it, it, it really, Chivas deserved to win that match. Lanyo uh, took out Vega. He made some substitutions that were questionable towards the end of the match. And, uh, and again, it, it just shows the lack of experience in these kind of matches. And, and uh, another, another draw that does, like you said, feel like a defeat. Exactly. And so for Leaño, this is his fourth Clásico, you know. He's faced America in that last twice now. One defeat, three draws. So, you know, not not looking good for him, for El Maestro Leaño. He's, uh, you know, took over Chivas and, and hasn't been able to deliver because the team's not really playing better than it was. Um, I would argue worse. Yeah, and it makes you wonder, you know, was the grass greener? We look at Vucetich, <laughs> who up until uh, this week had a perfect 3-0 record with Monterrey. And, you know, I wonder, you know, how would have Chivas looked like after, uh, if, if if we hadn't pulled the plug on Vucetich? You know, maybe would we had more favorable results? Would we be better? Would we be worse? Uh, it's always going to be that question. I I yeah, that 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 leaves it at what ifs. I do feel like the team would have been better off simply because he had been with them long enough. Uh it would have been, you know, the continuity to for the team to, to you know get get into what what he wanted them to play. Um and and we what we get now is the team almost having to start all over again with this guy because he has his fresh ideas. Um, so it's like, that. that's what I think it's been one of Chivas's big problems uh, in these past years where it's like they're hitting the reset button all the time. They rage quit and it's almost like they have to start all over again. And there's been this lack of continuity because they bring in a coach and then another coach comes in with different ideas or a different take. And it's like, they don't seem to like have a plan as far as like what direction the team is going, which I would say is something we have to applaud with like teams like Santos and Pachuca that are able to, to bounce back uh, quicker than like a Chivas. Yeah. And I I don't know. A lot of the things that Pelaz did contradicted himself. You know, he said that he was going to back Vucetich after his year contract had expired. They said, you know, we see the numbers. He's still the best option we have. And then to go and fire him midseason, it kind of contradicts what he said. And uh, and then he makes it very clear that, you know, Michele Año was a caretaker until further notice that, he was not going to be the, the the head coach. And then he ends up backing out of that one too. So it's like, yeah. it's just a lot of contradicting stuff. The only saving grace that I could say about Michel Leaño is he is giving the youth the opportunity. You know, Nene Beltran was basically erased from the team with Vucetich. And now he's, he is a stud. And we've also well, seen, well, the de- we see, we've seen the debuts of uh, some other players that maybe wouldn't have had the opportunity under uh But he was King debuting Midas. players though. He was debuting players. Um, I had an article, I'll probably dig it up later, of, of the number of players he had debuted and how many canteranos would he would use per game. So that's that's something that shouldn't be ignored. He was doing that. I, I agree with you on the whole thing with Pelais where he looked bad. And if you see some of these shows like, like um, Fútbol Picante and whatnot, that was a bit of the criticism where they felt that he sold out, that he should have resigned when when Vuce got sacked because it was clear that it was not uh, Pelias's call. And so I think he should have left. And that's the one thing also to keep in mind was that his contract was going to run out. So it, um, Pelias was going to be leaving too uh, at the end of the season. And then after Leaño you know, a bit after Leaño gets ratified, um, I, I'm 
you know, I'm, I'm not quite sure, but I know he and they end up extending Pelaya's contract. So I, I do think that um, Leaño sort of like did a coup, sort of took over the club, and he said, this is my shit now. And Pelaya's is just taking the back seat and just, because he hasn't come out to say anything the way he would with the coaches he brought in, where he would offer a press conference or he would, after a bad defeat, he would, you know, he, he would give a space. You are, um, we are seeing less and less of Pelaz. Maybe he's trying to go back, you know, escape through the back door and go get some cigarettes and milk. I said give a space. I'm, I'm sounding like Chivas English account. Up the Chivas. Um, but <laughs> I, I meant daba la cara, you know. He would, he would, you know, he would stick out. Like you said, he would, he would back up the coach. I do, I do think... And we had talked about this way back when that happened. I do think he sold out, and I do think a big part of it was that he realized that ultimately you kind of have to play ball or else you're never going to be at a club long enough because that's just how the majority of FMF clubs work, where it's all these politics. And ultimately, like, you're not going to have complete control of a team Um and I mentioned this conversation that uh, Campos had with um, with two dudes from, they were at TV Azteca, it was uh, Luis Garcia and Martinoli during the COVID thing. They they had like a podcast where they would just like shoot the shit. And I, I need to go through some of those because some of these candid interviews, so you get some of this juicy stuff. And they were asking Campos, how come he never went into coaching? And he said, because I'm never going to have complete control. There's always going to be someone that is going to, you know, call the shots or, or make me do something, you know, like use this player or, or switch something up. And it's like, I, I don't, I can't see myself working like that. He's like, ultimately, I'm going to take the fall. And that's when, when we see like Pelaya's, um, you know, career when he was at America and Cruz Azul, uh, Maybe not with the national team, but we could see those were like eventually the problems that led him, you know, leaving those teams. He didn't get along with Pepe Romano at America. And then with, um, dude, I keep forgetting this old man's name. It was at Cruz Azul. The, the dude that, uh, he does the takeover, you know, he came out at Pool Picante and said, uh, you know, it's my shit now. He was uh, Billy Alvarez's brother-in-law. No. It, it was no, no, not a coach. It was the, it was like the brother-in-law, like oh. one, of the, one of the main shot callers over there. Um, and uh, so you know, you have stuff like that, and and to see it happen at Chivas, it's it's pretty disappointing because <laughs> I did feel that he was gonna have complete control just because Amaudi soccer's not his thing, and he could have been like, here, you you drive, you know. Uh, and I, I do feel he was he was on the right path. Maybe the results weren't what the fans wanted, uh, the style of play as well. But I do think with what the club had, I do think uh, they were beginning to to improve. I mean, I would say even at this point, they've improved to the point where at least the club qualifies to the Liguilla or to, to um, Repechaje as opposed to, you know, 15th or 17th place so they managed to improve from being a bottom of the table to a mid table <laughs> which is I know it doesn't sound good but I mean shit man yeah. you're not gonna you're not gonna go to fighting the table with everything that Chivas is lacking man you have to take it uh, you know one step at a time and it's it's just gonna be a lot slower for this team yeah, I guess it's just frustrating to to see this, you know, because you do see teams like Puebla doing the right things. You've seen teams like Pachuca, like you mentioned, you know, they weren't doing so well. Uh, they got Amalda, and, Amalda, sorry, and uh, yeah, he's he's got a steady steady course now. And we're just trying to figure out like why can't Chivas have like that kind of growth? Uh, we are moving slowly, you know, from you know, missing Ligia to at least qualifying for Repechaje. But we also have to, you know, admit that 
we wouldn't be getting into Ligia if they hadn't extended it to the 12th position. So, you know, it's it's one of those things where it's just frustrating to see, especially considering the fact of uh, the amount of talent we have and, and how much these players are getting paid. And, uh, you know, I can't help but wonder, you know, we do have that that we've t- talked about before in the podcast that uh, PSV and, and Chivas have some sort of arrangement now they're business partners and I can't I, I just I can't imagine what what do they have to offer us because it's not like we can get PSV's players and have them suit up for Chivas so I really don't understand where the the mutual benefit is it, it looks like PSV is just gonna you know basically say yeah I want this guy this guy and this guy and uh, we want them at a discount <laughs> Yeah, there's there's some things I would say where Chivas could take advantage, like maybe, for example, send send over uh, their coaches and whatnot, so that they could you know learn over there like training or stuff like that. And sometimes the clubs don't like to do that because then it's like I'm gonna it's sort of this feeling of like I'm gonna empower you and then you could just leave and take a job somewhere else. Which is right, you know, and which it happens. It happens a lot. Uh, so that's that's sometimes where the club, I guess, they don't they don't care for that. I would say if you did something like that, where it's like, okay, I'm a train, I'm a train these coaches, because usually they have a bunch of former players. Uh, yeah. I would do some type of contract where it's like, okay, after you're done with these courses. You have to pledge maybe four or five years and you're going to work at the club, you know, that way you don't just take what you learned, <laughs> go use it elsewhere. Uh, but I, I would do something like that. Uh, I don't know how many people would be willing that because it's long-term commitment, but I know that's been one of the thing. Sometimes they send players over there, you know, they probably send players too, but it's almost like it's it's not like long term. It'll be for maybe like two months or something. Yeah, it's, it's sort of like it just, just to test them. It's it sounds like we're going to lose Alexis Vega for starters. We're probably <laughs> going to lose maybe JJ Mack. I mean, it, it just sounds like they're going to be taking all our talent. And yeah, I mean they're gonna throw cash at our face, but we don't have anybody to replace those players. And uh, what are they gonna give us? Some Strutwaffel? Like I don't understand <laughs> where does PSV come into play with all this? Like, do you really think the um, you know Mexico's gonna take orders from from PSV? You know, do you think Amaury and Leano are gonna gonna take their advice? Um, <laughs> we had Johan would... Cruyff over there as an advisor, and the only thing we did was take out the turf and put real grass. That was, that was the extent of his partnership with Chivas. And I just, I don't know. I'm just trying to figure out like what exactly do Chivas get in out of all this? Chivas, Chivas to me, what they could get. And I know a lot of fans would love this. And I'm like, if you love this, you're not really a fan of Chivas. Like you might like the team, but that's not your main team. It's probably the selección. <laughs> Because one thing where I could see them doing is where you might have like a young player, like a Chevy Martinez, you know, they already spotted him and they think he has good stuff. And they could be like, all right, send them over there because it would be easier to, to you know, his value goes up and all of that stuff, simply being in Europe. Um, and then his he would be like targeted by more, scouts at that point and and then Chiwas would get a percentage of that mm-hmm. if you know once he gets sold like they maintain they maintain ownership of a certain amount of the contract and then when he gets sold they, they make money so I could see probably something like that but then that that kind of makes Chiwa into like a farming club yeah where it's like dude Chiwas is a team that their fame comes from Campionissimo. Campionissimo wasn't Campionissimo because they were sending their players to Europe. That's Campionissimo because they were kicking everybody's ass in Liga MX. They were winning back-to-back titles. That's what made them 
you know, great. And taking taking tequila shots before the game. Take and you know, like you could read on the history of Chivas and these guys went uh they went on a they would they went on a gira, they went to Europe and they played some of the best teams over there and and they held their own, man. So you know, we always get this this uh you know, sort of take of like that just because it's over there that it's better. And I think fans forget for many years it wasn't really wasn't like that. You know, it's just been recently. Uh, but those takes, it, yeah, they weren't there. If you go back, you know, maybe like 20 years. Um, so, yeah, I, I don't, this whole thing of like, you have a, a, you know, a hot up. Like for me, like I felt, I would have loved it if Chivas would have had Bella and Chicharo a bit longer. I agree. Bella never even really, Bella never even played with the first team. Yeah. But dude, imagine how that team would have played. Oh yeah. With those two dudes there, and then you had Marco Fabian coming up in the back as well. I would have been sick, dude. And uh, they weren't able to hold on to those talents. They sold them in my opinion, a bit too soon. Uh, but they both went on to have good careers, so I, I don't I don't begrudge that. Um, but but I'm a Chiva fan, so I ultimately I would like to see a a Chiva fan a Chiva team that is like just, you know, sick. Stacked. Is really yeah, and that and especially with its own talent, because all these players we mentioned, they're all, you know, it was homegrown talent. Um that makes it even better. So I don't, it seems almost like they're, they're sort of like, and you know what? There was a, there was some talk not that far back about um, selling players. Oh man. I wish I had uh, the quote. I can't remember. Uh, One of the Liga directivos was talking about how they needed to find a way to to sell players abroad. And it's like, you know, at that point, it's like, you're just a farmer league. You're not, you're not, you're not trying to be a better league. If that's your goal to sell your, your up, you know, your talent. Right. Yeah. It's, I don't know. It's what's the goal there, but we'll have to see what happens next week with Chivas having to play Rayados, who just got pummeled. That's uh, yeah, so one, and... one, one of the games I'm looking forward to. <laughs> Jaime Busa's, you know, revenge. Oh, man. Well, we already know what happened when we got rid of Thena. He ended up beating us. <laughs> so we'll see did what happens he, with Did he beat Busa? <laughs> or was it the interim? I think it was Lan. I forgot. No. Oh, Leano did. Wait, no, 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 Leano, no. When he interim, he had to win. You're right, you're right. It was Busi, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we'll have to see how it goes. Uh, Rayalos got pummeled by Tigres, 2-0. Beautiful, beautiful goal by Gignac. He just scored a golazo. And uh, it sounds like uh, Florin Tauvin has been listening to our podcast because he's really starting to heat up now. <laughs> you know, we were we we're basically making fun of him. You know, this guy won a World Cup and uh, went to Tigres to never be seen again, but he's starting to come out. And uh, this team looks scary. You know, you have Piojo at the helm and you have uh, that manlet Jefferson and then you have the two <laughs> Frenchies up top. I mean, this team has the potential to win it all this season. They're comfortably in yeah. second place with uh, 23 points. And, and like you said, um, Buse had managed to turn, turn things around for Monterrey. They got three straight wins, I believe it was. That's right. Coming into this match. And then they get, you know, they get awoken by Piojo. And I will say this, it's just confirming a bit of what we talked about, how because we have the Selección game coming up. Yes, sir. And if, and if Tata loses, Oof. I would say he would have one foot out of the door. If the door's not even already cracked open, at least a bit by now, uh, he's going to start getting pushed out because this would be 
a fourth straight defeat. Uh, and I don't. To the, I, I just, to the States, you mean? To the, the, to the States. Yeah, yeah. Yes, yes, you are correct, sir. Um, so, I mean, you know, unfathomable for many fans. Uh, and, and I think, and they might not fire him the way we think, you know, where it's like right after the game. Uh, it could they could just let him finish the eliminatorias and then show him the door, um, which is possible because I think after the U.S. game it's another game, right? It's like a yeah, like a few days later. Um, yeah, so so let's see let's see what happens. But if you know, in the event that he does get sacked, FMF the way they operate, they look into the league. <laughs> Who do we know? Uh, who's doing good? Who's won the league before? Who's coached the team before? And and I, I you know, up until recently I had Aguirre as one of the candidates, but he flopped hard, man. And Aguirre just sort of took himself out of that a third a third time with a three. Um I think he pretty much I would be super surprised if they, he got offered the job. I don't I just don't see it happening. I do think Piojo would be candidate number one at this point. There's a meme that was flowing around, you know, where it's like Piojo with the with the uh, walkie-talkie, and it's like uh, Operation Repechaje, count. Let's go. <laughs> <laughs> and it will be New Zealand again. Uh, <laughs> I really you hope know, it. That's... Yeah, I really hope it doesn't get to that point. We are going to talk about the the World Cup match uh, between the United States. I have a lot to say on yeah. that. Um, but yeah, you know, with uh, Rayados losing this one, uh, Tigres look good, uh, but no one's as hot as Pachuca, man. They are on a five-game winning streak, and they are in first place with 25 points on fire. And uh, yeah, I mean, they have a great, great coach, great team. They have Pocho Ponce there, or not Ponce, uh, Pocho Guzman. Cool. Man, that was the one signing that I was really bummed out with that we lost out on. He was he was gonna really lift this team. Um but yeah, I mean Pachuca's looking good. I don't know how it will go when it comes to Liguilla. I'm always skeptical about the team that ends up in first place. I think like they always get bounced out in the first round. So we'll see. But for now they're doing a great campaign. Yes, sir. Let's let's see right here because um with with just we're gonna backtrack a little bit. Puse the three wins and despite the defeat they're in seventh place now. So they're well into going into Liguilla with um a couple of teams have already played eleven games. They only have ten. Yeah. So I think they're um they're doing good. Um and then Tigres, second place with 23 points. Uh, so that's, yeah, they're definitely doing good. And as, as you know, one game less. Uh, and then you just brought up the Tuzos. And yeah, these Ultra Tuzos, they're, they're at the top of the hill, man. First place, I was not expecting this. I didn't think they would bounce back so soon and, and just, you know, be leading the coop. They've already surpassed the entire amount of points they had last season. They had 18 points. They ended up in 15th position. Right now, they're sitting at 25. So they've already <laughs> they've already done more than they did last season. That's crazy. That it is, man. That it is. Um, yeah, that's. But you know, and we compare. I compared Chivas to them recently about how it's harder for them to come up, and I, I say that's one of the. One of the things that makes it easier for for Pachuca, they're able to to bring in foreigners. Although I don't know at this point how much how much of the lineup they changed. Yeah, for sure. Uh, I think for the most part they're using uh, extranjeros. They do have a few Mexican players. But I know Victor Guzman's having a good campaign. He is, and that was Chivas' refuerzo bomba, and I thought they would have gone back for him, but they never did, you yeah. know. And that's 
only thing we can remind of how much she was spent, even though they they got their money back. <laughs> uh, talking about comebacks, we had some Goka Champions League action since we were out. We're in the quarterfinals, and New York had a match between Comunicaciones. They ended up winning on away goal rule. Uh, the game ended 5-5 after the, the two matches, and they're in the semifinals. Uh, you also had Seattle Sounders, who beats Leon 3-0 and ended up going through 4-1 on aggregate. Uh, so Leon bounced out of the competition and you had new England. Let's not forget. They took Buma to the snow three zero victory. And it felt like it was going to be all up to Cruz Azul to carry on the Mexican tradition. But Bumas showed a lot of strength in that second match. And they ended up scoring three goals, forcing the game to penalties. And in penalties, Talavera showed up and Bumas ended up, going through to semifinals and Cruz Azul who had beaten Montreal 1-0 uh ended up holding him to a draw in the away in the return leg so we have Pumas versus Cruz Azul Seattle Sounders versus New York City in the Champions League Yeah Pumas um they're not doing so good in the league three three straight defeats i believe they sort of uh yeah slipped up a bit there but I mean, maybe they're, you know, they, they obviously don't have a strong enough squad to do two tournaments. And uh, unless, you know, the the coach and the the board were like, we have a better shot at winning the the Conca Champions, then I wouldn't, you know, I think that's a good goal to have. It's like, okay, let's let's put our marbles here. Um, so let's let's see. I mean, they're already in semis. No more game final, which you it could be a no mix like a mix final again. Jaime, do you think no, it would? No, they have it uh, lined up where so it, just a, it's yeah Mexican. Uh, it's the two clubs against each other, and then on the other side, it's MLS clubs against each other. So there will be uh, it will be a Mexican uh, uh, Liga MX versus MLS final. Just how they wanted it to be. <laughs> okay, okay. I see I see what you mean. Yeah. And New York City, you know, they, they did win the MLS like league last year and I guess they're they're doing well. Um we'll see. I, I do think that after what Pumas did, uh they showed a little bit of strength and a little bit of confidence. And uh, I wouldn't, I wouldn't get put the wool over them. You know, I think Cruz Azul have a lot to be concerned about uh, because we all remember what happened last time when Cruz Azul had a four, four goal lead on Pumas, and then Pumas end up still going through uh, to the final. So uh, Pumas have that that history of making some really good comebacks. Let's see. Let us see, Jaime. Let's see how they do in the league as well. So the hot topic of tonight, obviously the game against the United States on Thursday. Mexico will host them. And they're currently in third position in the World Cup qualifiers in CONCACAF. It's been a little bit shaky for Mexico. They haven't been able to convince me. Um, But they are on par uh, to make it to the World Cup, they have 21 points, and Panama has 17. So a victory against USA would basically put them in, and obviously there'd be a, a big celebration there. But like you mentioned earlier, uh, they have three straight defeats to the United States in official matches. So the the Nations League final, the Gold Cup final, and then the uh, the qualifying match. So. How much of jo- Tata's job is on the line for this match? I I do I would say all of it. I would say this is his, and and mainly because of the the three defeats already to the U.S. Uh, you know, having lost already three games, 
two finals and one one World Cup qualifying. I think he said that point where they're like, dude, if you can't beat the U.S., um, you know, then what can we expect at the World Cup? I wouldn't equate the two, but I know that's how it's going to be judged. Yeah, and I was watching through the end, and I know you've mentioned it multiple times on this podcast about Bora and how he had Mexico already qualified for France and leading up to that 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 qualification, like Mexico was on a really good run with Bora, um, and uh, they still ended up canning him. And they interviewed him, and they said, "Yeah, you know, they were just weren't happy with you know the results that we had against the United States and Costa Rica. I think Costa Rica ended up beating Mexico in the no, World, he, or it was no, a tie or something. Yeah, he tied. He tied both. Oh, uh, he tied both. Got it. He had a Azteca. I had a Azteca, and and it was like unacceptable because. I think the, the media, more than anything, were just mixing some stuff up. And this is going back to when Mexico was, like, way stronger at Azteca, and they played, they had that advantage that we like to talk about, you know, mid, mid, you know, in, in the middle of the day, midday games with the, with the altitude and the heat and whatnot. Uh, but some of these teams had been coming in there and playing, and, they were kind of more already expecting it, you know, uh, different than when you play some team and a lot of times they wouldn't take those things into account and they would burn out by the second half. So some of these teams would prepare, they would, they would come in in advance or, or the day of, you know, they had all these kind of tricks to try to, trying to come combat that, um, and so this was like in 96, 97, around that time. And you were going back to, what was it, the 93, the qualifiers. And so and Mexico was pretty strong at home. And then the Gold Cup, that when they played their games, they pretty much destroyed all of the opponents. You know, when Mexico hosted that Gold Cup, uh, they beat the U.S. 4-0, I think. Um so I just scored like, I don't know how many goals he had. I just, he, like 11 or something like that he had in the whole tournament. Uh, it was just crazy. But I, I think that was still like the mentality of like, oh, you know, we this team should be this good. And and I don't think they were seeing, or they didn't really care. But it, I was going off of Copa America because um, I think it was the 97 Copa America. I might be getting the, but that was the one with uh, Luis Matador Hernandez, you know. He, top goal he, scorer. He, top goal scorer, and they had uh, they had Ronaldo there, man. Ronaldo was playing in that tournament. Uh, so to win it over that guy, dude, insane. Uh, but that was, to me, a really good tournament for Mexico, and they had some really good games. They got third place, right? Think, yes, sir. Um I do feel that that they just judge them too much over these qualifiers against teams that were had already been playing Mexico and knew what to expect. Uh, but I think it's the politics where it's like, you know, some people wanted him out or they wanted because ultimately that's what happens. Um, that we've always seen when a when a coach gets removed, right away the new guy's going to bring four or five other players, and those four or five they're usually tied to to sponsorships or to clubs or to whatnot. It's, you know, it's it's not just, I brought him because I like them. There's always like a catch. And so I do think um, there was some of that, like a push to bring in other players because if we look going into that Copa America, the 97 one, uh, they said like a bad performance, they were going to sack him and people didn't like that he was taking players, and Luis Hernandez was one of them, Matador. You know, that's kind of where he blew up, uh, Matador. And, and between that and, and then at the World Cup when he scores, I don't know, he had like three goals or four. I don't know how many he scored. Um, but then, you know, that's, he became one of the more popular players. But going into that tournament, he wasn't. He wasn't one of the the known guys. And and there was other players like that. And, and I know there was always like, 
that criticism. I mean, we're seeing it now, but for different reasons. You know, they don't uh, with with uh, some of Tata's call-ups. Yeah. Yeah, honestly, um, going into this match, I'm not too confident with what we can actually accomplish against the United States. I feel like they're obviously going to bunker, and we're obviously going to be pulling our hair out, trying to find a way to penetrate that defense. They're going to catch us with a counterattack or a set piece and punish us. And I think that's been the strategy for the United States, and it's worked. It's worked. It worked in all three matches, and... That's why I'm not I'm not very very confident going into this match, and another thing too is like Tata's just very pig-headed. He re- he continues to call up players that do not deserve to be called up at this current moment, um, and it took it sadly took two injuries for him to call up the right players. So like Pizarro, for example, <laughs> getting called up, he got injured. So now they they brought in Piojo Alvarado, uh, which I don't know if he deserves a call up either, but. Definitely better than Pizarro's form. And then you also have uh, Jonathan Orozco, who uh, continues to get called up. I don't know what Tata sees in him, and I don't understand why he continues to call up four goalkeepers. Um, and he ends up calling up Carlos Acevedo to replace him because he, he got injured. So it, it just sucks that it takes injuries for, for Tata to call up uh, the right players. You have Johan Vasquez, who's having uh, a really good campaign over there in Serie A. And, uh, you know, he's not even getting any type of opportunities with the national team. It just doesn't make sense. And, uh, you know, we're calling up Chucky Lozano, who, if we, if you guys don't remember, we had to send him back to Napoli with, like, you know, he was all banged up and stuff. And now we're going to borrow him again. He's probably getting banged up again. I'm like, dude, just stop calling him. Like, I know he's good. <laughs> I know he's talented. But it's not worth the damage. It's not worth the liability. It's not worth him missing another month or two of action because you know they come at him with everything over here when he comes to CONCACAF matches so I don't know I, I just at this point we'll see what happens but uh I, what I will tell you is if they end up getting embarrassed on Thursday yeah Tata for sure is is getting fired yeah no this could be it and uh there on the sidelines and it's crazy how quickly we can you know, put him on a pedestal and, and tear him down because if he ends up winning these last three matches, he ends up beating USA, he ends up beating El Salvador and Honduras, and we end up qualifying as the first seed, like, we'll put him on a pedestal and call him, like, a god, and we'll, we'll be all ready to, <laughs> to, you know, tell everyone that, you know, Michael's going to win the Qatar World Cup, you know? It's just that that's how quickly we can turn or build you up. That's just how it is in Mexico. Yeah, it's it's a win, and all will be forgiven for the majority of, of fans. Yeah, we had a so I, I didn't catch the the video, but Hector Herrera kind of spoke out as to why he decided to go to Houston. Uh, were you able to watch that, or yes, sir? What did he say? He said I, that his agent and him had not been able to reach an agreement with Atletico. And basically, Houston had a better offer. So, is it Houston or Dallas? Houston, right? Uh, Houston. H-Town, yeah. So, it's double H-Town now. So, he was, and he said, and I have to think about my family. So, late, like deuces. And, I, you know, I keep telling you guys, Ultimately, these players, they have to do what's best for their family because their careers could be cut short. You know, the next game, he could get he could get injured, and that was that. And a lot of these guys, that's all they know. I mean, they've been playing soccer since they were, what, like 12? Yeah. You know, some of them go to school. Some of them don't. Some of them save enough money or during their career were smart enough to start a business or what not but that's not everyone uh and then just because you started one doesn't mean that you were successful or or that it worked out so we don't we don't know what's going on with them i do think as fans we judge them too harshly where it's like yeah, but i feel like herrera's herrera's been uh in europe for what like i feel like he's been there for 10 years almost 
It's a long time, but I mean, he's still getting hate, and it's like, you know, he's his priority is going to be his family, not to entertain the fans. And I think uh, he was just going to go where he's he's going to get the most value, and I, and you know, I who can blame him for that? It feels premature I mean, because he's thirty-one years old, and he was in the starting lineup against Manchester United in the Champions League. He was boss at the midfield. He just feels a little bit premature. Yeah. He, he was doing what we know he can do. I mean, we're still going to have him on Selección, but but again, Jaime, I was like saying, if if he wasn't getting the guarantees he wanted, then why stay, you know? Uh, I know for us as fans, to see, to see that, to see those Champions League games or to see him against the best teams, but I mean, we're not, if he was to get injured, we're not going to say... We're not going to send money to him. We're not going to send a kid basket or whatnot. We're not going to make sure his kid goes to a university and help help pay. You know, or if someone is sick, we're not going to pay their hospital bills. We're not going to give a shit. We're going to move on to the next player. So that's that's sort of the thing where it's where these guys they have to they have to plan, man. They have to plan ahead and. Makes me it makes me curious to see how much he's making because there's no way he's not making at least a hundred grand a week. Is I mean, Chicharito was making doesn't transfer market show or is Chicha, that... Chicharito was making a hundred and fifty thousand uh, pounds a week at West Ham, and no, but then he took a pay cut at he Sevilla. Took a, he took a pay cut at Sevilla, but I mean, he was still making like seventy k a week. So, I mean, with Herrera's, like, you know, portfolio, the captain of Porto going to Atletico Madrid, I'm pretty sure he's making over 100 grand a week. So, I'm like, come on, bro. Like, there's no way. Wait, how much How much a year? How much a year? I mean, he's making, what, 400, 400 a month? I mean, he's make, he's clearing over a million easily, dude. He's getting, getting get paid, like, 6 million here. Yeah, yeah, he's he's probably yeah. I think at Houston, Houston, he's gonna be making a lot of money. Well, the top players league at Mexico get about two million. And yeah, I'm going. I'm going on average. I'm sure Zignac makes a lot more than that, but yeah. No, yeah, yeah, no. The the Gignacs, those are like a handful, maybe less. They will, they do make that amount, but it's only like maybe five players in the whole league at Mexico that are going to reach that amount. Uh, I can't even think of it. It might be like three. Um, but yeah, and, and over here, that's pretty much what Chicharro makes, and that's right up with Vela's making. And that's what they're doing. Dude, six, it's, that's a nice pocket change right there, Jaime. <laughs> I mean... He's not going to have to put his face in danger anymore. That's true, man. I don't want to mess up his, his GQ looks. Um, no, nah, man, he's, he's, uh, I, I get it. I get it for fans are disappointed, but I, I also get it for him. Yeah. The deal, this deal came through, but I mean, I, I don't know, man. I, I, I feel like you were talking about this the other day, how Mexican fans are too quick to celebrate just cause, uh, some players having a good game in Europe. Oh as man, like we some, are, we are. Like it's a great achievement. It's like, you know, it's almost like when you're seeing the kid take those first steps. <laughs> it's just, he's learning to walk. It's sort of like, go, you know? Yeah, this this uh, this new generation, or I don't know what what, what is happening right now uh, with the fans online, but, I mean, we're so desperate for anything, any any form of any anything. Like, literally, like, anything. Like, you know... Marcelo Flores scores a goal for Arsenal under 23, and everybody's like, oh, my God, here we go. You know, forget about Pulisic. He's the next best thing in CONCACAF, and we should be taking him to the World Cup. I'm like, dude, this guy hasn't made his professional debut yet. Like, chill the fuck out, you know? <laughs> and, uh, I mean, any any type of success in Europe, any player, like, you know, we're just all over it. Um, we're even – there's, like, Twitter accounts, like, oh, like – Will these guys get called up by the Mexican national team? And it was like Luca, uh, the Argentinian, who's like, 
you know, he has like a what Mexican mom or something, and they're still trying to hope that he he ends up playing. For no, he already he already Dupuy. Yeah, he already took a call from the Argentina. Yeah, exactly. He was at Rosario Central. I know they had tapped him at the youth level. Mexico did, and then they never really called him again. Um, but I think he just took he just accepted a call up from from Argentina. So I don't think he's I don't see him coming. Yeah, Jaime. And a bunch but of like a bunch of no names that I've never seen before. I'm like, are they even Mexican? I've never heard of them. There is this desperation. It's 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 embarrassing. I agree with you. But yeah, folks, that is uh, that is what we had on the docket today. You got any other anything that's on your minds? The whole the whole Ache Ache thing was on my mind. Uh, I I wouldn't I wouldn't say that he's gonna like. I, I know that's one of the criticisms is that his performance and whatnot. I'm like, no, stop, stop. <laughs> his performance would only go down as if he allows it. It doesn't matter where he's playing. They gave the example, Mexico versus Angola, 2006 World Cup. <laughs> Angola's goalkeeper was semi-pro, dude. He was playing in some Llanero League in Angola, man. And he, he you know... He he held his own, dude. He's playing at a World Cup. And there's a lot of... Dude, Mexico, 86, World Cup goalie, Pablo Lajos Iwasaki, he was playing in second division. Oh he wasn't even God. a first-team goalkeeper. So this whole thing of like, oh, because... No, it doesn't work like that. Just You know, it just doesn't. If you're an athlete, it's like, a, you know, the whole riding a bike thing. You don't forget how to ride the bike. He's not... His passing is not going to turn to shit just because he, he moved to Houston, you know? It's not like because there's something at the water at Madrid. It's it's he, He's going to play at that level if his mentality is there, you know? Unless he's like Chicharro crying like a little bitch and saying his career's over, then he's doing it to himself. You know, it's it's your own... You, it's it's the whole mentality, you know? We saw it with Ibram, Ibramovic. I would like to have a better example because that dude's a beast. But this dude came like at 40, he crushed it, and he's like, well, fuck it, who's next? And he went to Milan, <laughs> and he started crushing it. He didn't suck. Yeah. You know, it's 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 the mentality. It's like, I got this, you know, give me the ball and get the fuck out of my way type of thing. But if you, you let stuff get to you, like Chicharro said in an interview, I think we heard it, Jaime. I think you showed it to me. Where he was talking about how, you know, he hated hearing about the kids aren't his. You know, they were saying it was his coach, the kids he has with. <laughs> his life coach. So we, this guy's reading comments and it's like, dude, come on. Why? Why do you even give a fuck? Yeah, dude. The fact that you're like, like but, stupid to that level, man. Your self-confidence must be so low. Yeah, you've done so much shit that the majority of people talking shit hasn't Bro, even. This dude played for Manchester United and Real Madrid, and he's going on the comments like, meow, 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 meow. <laughs> like, what are you doing, bro? <laughs> no, my, yeah, life, my life coach, he's not begging my wife. The kids are mine. <laughs> like, dude, you don't have to explain anything to anyone, bro. You scored 50 goals for Manchester United, dog. You're our all time national. Goal score. Be a man. Do the right thing. He he clutched the match winner right over eliminating rivals Athletic in the what's that, the Champions League. Ah, uh, Madrid. He scored the yeah. goal. Atleti yeah, Madrid. He scored yeah. it over Atleti. He scored it. You know, I mean, this dude, he's he's done some shit, man. But I'm saying it's it's the whole mentality type of thing. Um, and if and if you let it get to you. You know, the, or if they just threw the towel, then that's on you. It's not on the league. Uh, the league is there. They want it wants to, you know. And and I say this as a Mexico fan because I saw this attitude when I started watching, like in the early '90s. And you would have South Americans come into Liga MX, and sometimes they would be some of the better ones, as opposed to some cartucho quemado, some dude that's about because. Even at one point, Liga MX was kind of seen like that as well. 
you know. Oh, really? They were bringing some really old dude. You're coming to retire. Yeah, sir. And then we started seeing younger and younger South Americans coming into Liga MX. And uh, that was the attitude. If you were to read stuff back then, it was forums, soccer forums, you know. If you were to read the soccer forums and you were reading, then that was, it was like, oh, I should have gone to Europe, even if it was second division, and career's over. And we started seeing the opposite. Mauro Camarenesi, one of the big examples, you know, came to Santos Cruz Azul, ends up in Serie A with Kievo, and then, I don't know if Juve. Kievo was in Serie B, but ultimately, yeah, with Juve, and then the Italian national team, World Cup champions. Uh, and all the, there was other players. I forgot this dude. I think I don't know if it was Calum, Ram, Roma. Roma. Ah, oh, the name. The name Jaime Rodegaya. Rodega. That ends up going to the EPL. Uh, he was at, at Rodallega. There you go. I might be confusing the names. Hugo Rodallega. Right. He you played Google, for. You uh... Googled it. <laughs> No, I remember. I remember his time at uh, Atlas. I'm googling it now. He went to uh, he went to Necaxa, Wigan, Fulham. Yeah. So he did. He did end up in. Uh... Yeah. See. So this whole thing about like Chelito Delgado. You know. Oh, that was one of my favorite players, man. Chelo Delgado and uh, oh, dude, there was two dudes. They were at Rosario Central. The other dude ended up going to Genoa in Italy. I can't remember his name. They were teammates. They were teammates at Rosario, and then Cruz Azul brought both of them. And both of those guys got called up for, by Bielsa to play at the Copa America, and they end up losing. They get to the final, and they lose to Brazil. That's when Adriano was on beast mode. Really? Yeah, sir. But, I mean, dude, that's... that's I would say this is the second time where Liga MX players came close to lifting glory, man. Because if they would have won, it would have made Liga MX look so good. And then the most recent one, Jaime, can you guess? What's that? At the, at the, at the a Liga MX player that if he would have scored the match winner, Liga MX would have been seen in a different light. Uh, in what? Copa America or something or what? No, no, it was a European. Oh, the Euro? This time. No. Whoa. Yeah, Gignac. Oh, okay, okay. Remember, doesn't he hit the post? I, I don't remember. I just know that... Oh. I just know that they called him up for the Olympics and uh, we beat him. <laughs> <laughs> he was older. No, this was in the Euro. Uh, they they play the final, was it? Anyways, those are, those are two... Two big uh, events, um, but we do end, we do end up seeing later on more and more players coming over here, and and still doing good and still going abroad. Uh, Luciano Figueroa was his name. There you go. Ah, there you go. Uh, Luciano Figueroa was the uh, second guy, uh, but they both still they still ended up uh, being in their national team. They still ended up going to Europe. And so that's the whole thing with when we have players like, you know, Mexican players that, that come come to MLS for whatever reason or even return to Liga MX. If their mentality is there, that whole competitiveness, they're not gonna suck, man. They're, they're just not. When they do, when when they when we end up seeing them that that they're underperforming. It's usually extra cancha, you know, what's, what's going on in their personal life, you know, what, what's happening there. You see, um, you said it with Chicharo, man. Uh, you noted this, Jaime. Yeah. You said he has to be scoring off the field. Oh, yes, sir. To score on the field. And I guess his marriage was probably not, you know, maybe his relationship wasn't the uh, right one. He knocked her up. It, it was an accident. He married her because it was like the right thing to, to do. his parents, you know, and his parents are very religious and there could have been pressure there, you know, of like, you know, you got her pregnant, you can't have a, you know, a child out of wedlock and whatnot. That's a, that could be a possibility. Even 
I remember the marriage thing seemed a bit quick because yeah. I was in San Diego. It was in San Diego they got married. And I remember hearing the news and I remember telling, uh, you know, people in the pod, I could see him coming to, a, you know, I could see him coming here. Why else get married here? If, you know, doesn't make sense uh, if he plans to stay abroad. And he did, he eventually did. So, so I mean, his attitude and his plane has been on the rise to the point of you have a lot of fans asking for him to come back. Uh, same with Vela, he's still crushing it. So I, I, that's the whole thing with with Ache Ache man. If if he sucks, it's because this dude just decided to call it in. He he cashed his chips, which would suck for the Houston team. You know, I didn't pay all this money to this dude just so he could be like, fuck it. Uh, you know, I'm going fishing. <laughs> yeah, and you know it sucks that this is gonna happen as soon as the transfer window opens up in the summer and it's like, we're not going to have a world cup in the summer. So depending on, I'm just curious to see what version of Hector Herrera we're going to have ready for the world cup in Qatar. Cause it might not be the same one that's killing it over there in Atleti. So, uh, we'll I hope see. it is man, because his mentality is okay. I'm about to retire. This is my last hurrah. You know, this is going to be the biggest stage I get to play, which he might be able to squeeze another one. But I, I would say at his prime, this is it, you know, and and he could be like, you know what? Fuck it. I'm going to kill it here. Yeah. And if and if that's his thing, I mean, look what, what Cuauhtémoc did, man. He was already old when they uh, called him back. You know, you had Mexico team was just, getting their ass whooped in the region and they, they he brought Cuauhtémoc at like I don't know he was like 37 yeah dude comes in and he crushes it man yeah, that's true and he had played with the Chicago Fire <laughs> this guy was playing in like MLS <laughs> he's playing with Osorio he's playing with Osorio that was the coach <laughs> of uh, the Fire this was Juan Cambios man um, I don't know if he was still at the Fire when they when Aguirre calls him up, or he had just returned. But he was he at uh, there. He was at Veracruz. Okay, he had just Chicago come Fire up until 2009, and then he went to Veracruz in 2010. Yeah. Okay. But uh, I'm not sure. Yeah, it's pretty crazy. Yeah, so that's my take, man. I don't I wouldn't blame it's it's on you, man. It's it really is. So I, I think I think I hope I hope Ache Ache is uh sees the World Cup as like you know, one of one of where he could really leave his mark. Yeah. For sure. Well, ladies and gentlemen, that was episode three twenty seven of the Cantina MX Football Podcast. Want to know what you guys think about the upcoming match against the United States? How do we feel? Are we nervous? Are we excited? Are we ready to get our pitchforks out and get rid of Tata? Are we ready for that? Are we ready for Operation Repechaje with Piojo? Uh, I want to know what you guys think. Hit us up on Twitter. Hit us up on Instagram. Uh, we do have uh, some action. Well, I'll be on the pitch on Saturday. Uh, they're going to take this opportunity for uh, the window for the international matches to have some friendlies out here. So uh, Chivas will take on Leon in San Jose. Hopefully this match has been rescheduled three, t- <laughs> three times in a row. So hopefully fourth time is the charm. Uh, but yeah, I'll be on there taking photos, snapping pics. So uh, make sure to to follow us on Instagram and, and uh, Twitter to see that footage. Uh, do you have any closing thoughts before we wrap up this episode? No, that was it, man. That was my closing thought, Jaime. The whole Ache Ache thing. Uh, coming to MLS and, and if he could maintain his, you know, that level of play that he's showing. For sure. So, yeah, Mexico takes on USA Thursday, March 24th, 7 p.m. on the best coast. And after that, Mexico will go to Honduras. 
uh, and play them on Sunday. And then we'll close out our World Cup qualifying campaign at home against El Salvador on Wednesday, March 30th. So hopefully by the time we record next, we'll know if we're going to the World Cup or not. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, But I want to thank everyone for listening to us tonight. We had uh, a single listener on our YouTube chat, uh, David Diaz. Thanks for for, uh, saying hi and for listening tonight. And we will catch you guys in the next one.